everybody. Welcome to Vita Tennis, the podcast for those of us who eat, sleep, breathe tennis. My name is Jennifer Gilhouse and I'm your host. Today I'm talking to Yannick Yoshizawa. He's the VP for a company called Sensorina, a Czech company that launched in 2018 and is now the world leader in cognitive virtual reality sports training. Sensorina for Tennis provides players with enhanced visualization, allowing them to improve the mental aspects of their game, such as anticipation and decision-making skills. Yannick worked for the WTA for eight years prior to going to Sensorina. He played tennis for the University of South Florida, and he's originally from Brazil, where he was a prominent junior tennis player. Welcome, Yannick, to Vita Tennis, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Jennifer. Exciting to be here, and uh, thanks for the nice intro. I think I cannot even uh, intro myself that way, so appreciate it. <laughs> no, my pleasure. Thank you for joining us, and I'm very excited um, to talk to you today um, about your career. And you know, of course, we're going to be talking about virtual reality and um, you know, Sensorina, of course. Um, but I was thinking maybe we should just uh, start with a little bit of your background. So I was wondering, when you were playing college tennis, did you plan on having a career in the tennis industry? Uh, that's a great question. And I think, um, you know, always in my mind, to be completely honest, uh, when I came to college, uh, I had no idea what I wanted to do after. I didn't have the huge aspiration to become a pro player, even though, you know, I played uh, future level and challengers uh, in the summers and shortly after I finished school. But um, I think I never had that really feeling to become one. And I guess I wasn't willing to do the sacrifice, which we all know how much it takes. Um, so I started really with uh, studying finance uh, when I was in school just because I like numbers and I think I did well. So it was something natural for me um, to go through uh, those classes and go in. And, and that's so I majored in finance and then I did a double major in, in management. Um, and I actually did a three months internship in an investments bank because that's, again, because of the math and the numbers where I thought I would want to work. Uh, so I did my three months in my last semester of college, which I was very glad that I did because it made me realize that that was definitely not a pathway that I wanted to take on. Um, mm -hmm. And then I guess uh, sometimes, you know, it's just being the right time, right place. Uh, the WTA, which um, is based their headquarters in St. Petersburg, Florida, um, where, you know, USF is just 40 minutes from there they were looking for a finance intern uh, at that time. And that's sort of how I went through the process, the interview, and, you know, I got in there. Um, and that sort of led me to, you know, eight years at the WTA, which I ended up doing a bunch of different positions. Uh, I worked in finance for uh, about a year and a half in two years, which we had nothing to do with tennis. It was very much related to the business aspect of uh, of tennis, which was great to understand and how these organizations run. Uh, but I definitely wanted to be more involved in the tennis aspect. So then I moved to the operations side, which I, I took um, much more on the entries and withdrawals uh, and rules aspect of the game. Uh, and then finished, I would say, my last five years. I went on to work for two years in player relations 
uh, which was traveling a lot on the tour uh, and basically, you know, being the voice for the players. And then my last three years um, being the WTA supervisor, which is, again, going traveling to the events and being sort of the uh, main person to, you know, from an operations perspective of the event and also the officiating aspect of the rules of the game. So, um, again, uh, that's a long way to say that I guess I didn't plan it, but I've been embedded in tennis my whole life through my family. Right. Um, and then actually, as I finished uh, the WTA, I left in 2021, I would say mainly because I, you know, I wanted to see what was outside of tennis. So I think a little bit of that feeling when I was in college, then went to work on a consulting company for about a year realized that I wanted to continue to work in sports um, so which was a great experience but I came back and then again just you know looking for to come back in sports and then Saint Serena uh, was hiring was hoping to expand into their second sport uh, since they started in hockey and that's again I, I think you know like putting yourself out there but I guess being a little lucky as well. Yeah, it's a natural transition, you know, when you have that tennis background. And a lot of times we don't realize that we're so passionate about tennis, you know, until until we don't have it anymore in our lives, you know, and then it's like, oh, <laughs> exactly. um, that's kind of what brought me also back to, um, you know, coaching and stuff. I was doing science and then, uh, you know, kind of started coaching. And now I'm like fully on, you know, I've been in the tennis industry now for like, 13 years or something. So it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. And what you mentioned about doing internships, it's so, it's so important. I wish I would have done more internships because it does really kind of open your eyes when you're a student to see what you like. Um, so I think that is really, really important, especially that, that senior year. Now as a student athlete, that's kind of hard because you're so busy with the team and everything, you know? So it's like, yeah. this might be your only chance to do it. Um, but anyway, I thought that was a really good, um, uh, you know, kind of point to highlight there. Um, what is your favorite thing about your job now? Oh, the, there's so many, but I think the, the, my favorite thing now, it's really the, um, the innovation aspect of it. And then the main vision being, uh, increasing the athlete's performance that really, that's what excites me. Yeah. Um, the most when I got exposed to the technology, it was just that, again, I think a lot of people think of virtual reality or anything, a lot of technology are talking about gaming and so on. And like, but when I got exposed and really saw the ability that these two can just help players in an incredible way that a lot of people have not thought about it. Um, that again, virtual reality has helped so many industries, you know, military, medical field, uh, aviation, and so on. So like just being seen that then now this technology has come to sports and tennis, uh, it just got really, uh, got me really excited. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start talking about, I guess, the, the virtual reality stuff. Um, uh, as a coach, I'm fascinated by virtual reality training. And I can only imagine that this is, you know, the beginning of a new era in sports training. Um, but can let's take it back one step. If you can just kind of explain what it is and and what it does, just for those of us that maybe are not too familiar with it. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, uh, and in virtual reality, again, like even though it has been going on for a very long period of time, uh, it's very new at the same time, uh, right, from a general public. So uh, what we do, um, it's that there is a headset, so we don't manufacture the hardware in itself. So uh, the virtual reality headsets uh, that we use, it's the MetaQuest 2, uh, which is done by Meta or, you know, former Facebook um, so you can imagine being this, what a lot of people call goggles or, uh, you know, like glasses and whatnot, but you put this headset around your eyes uh, and that covers around also goes in your back, which is actually not heavy at all with the technology how it is today. Uh, and it comes with two controllers uh, that comes one in your right hand and one in your left hand. This is the, let's say, virtual reality set that you usually get from, and there's different companies, but I'd say the most popular one that we use is the MetaQuest 2 now. So now where we come in is that we're a software company where we you know we have programmed basically this tool that you, as you can imagine, just like what you have your phone, you have multiple different applications that it goes in there. We're an application within the MetaQuest 2, right? So you download it. Uh, and then again, we're a training tool uh, for athletes. We started in hockey and now uh, we're in tennis as well. And then what we do to, again, create that immersive aspect uh, for the player, it's two parts. So we actually create a hardware. So in tennis, we actually create a haptic uh, tennis racket, which basically you have one of these controllers that comes with the headset, you mount it into it which gives you a very similar weight to a, a regular racket and same balance. So then when you actually put and you have, you're holding this racket within Sensorina, then you're actually completely immersed in this world of tennis, right? You are in the middle of a stadium court. And then that's when the customization and beautiful part of virtual reality, the visualization aspect that so you can actually see your racket you know, we're working with the head, so link or racket, so you can, you know, already see your perfect, beautiful head radical or head boom or so link or blackout in your hand. And then you can customize your environment, right? You can play on clay, grass, hardcore. We actually, the bounces also come differently depending on the surface. You can play during the day, at night. We can choose wind. So again, the whole purpose of this and now to go into a little bit, just very detailed to um, just tease uh, the public here, it's that the whole point of being this training tool is we understand how visualization, it's a huge aspect of the game that can transform uh, and this new way of training. And basically that not a lot of people have the ability to train in all different surfaces, first of all, and it just basically replicate a specific scenario that maybe you're going to be playing tomorrow on a windy day and you know that you very much dislike wind, which I would say it's 99.9% of tennis players, but also just get your mindset, your brain training through the situation. So when you get to that specific situation, your brain is like, okay, I've been here before, I've done it, so it's less frustrating, you can concentrate better, you can react better, you can anticipate because you've seen that situation better, right? So that's more of the external factors, right? And then there's the internal factors that we basically work more now, okay, we work on situational, right? So, you know, there was a coach that has told me, like, you shouldn't be practicing shots, 
you should be practicing situations because that's actually what you do on a match, right? So what we do is to allow players to choose a situation that maybe he or she are not comfortable with or that, you know, they want, they know that the player tomorrow is going to be serving and volleying or will be coming to the net a lot. So, okay, I don't like that uh, when someone comes to my back end, you know, and I just want to go through the motions. And there's not a lot of time for you to get someone and just feed your balls to your back and then come into the net, right? Tennis, it's a very hard sport because it's so individual. So, therefore, it's hard sometimes to very specifically create that situation. So, these are the parts where we allow players to simulate the situation and do the repetitions. And again, it's all about the brain repetition, right? So just when we talked about you need 10,000 hours of, you know, for you to get that perfect forehand or backhand, but like it's a lot of times that muscle memory, people forget that it starts with your brain, right? Your brain needs to right. get those reps. So if you get those extra reps without that wear and tear in your body, it's a huge advantage. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool. And does it, how much space do you need? Because you're not really running around, right? When you're correct. When yeah. Down. So, um, again, this is the aspect, also an aspect of your customization. Uh, so, we have drills that you can literally just work on anticipation. So, you know, we have serving return drills that you basically just, you can be actually sitting and you just can see the server, okay, where the server tosses where I believe he's going to serve, where I believe she's going to, what type of spin she's going to hit the serve. That is more anticipating or to the point that like you're actually full on hitting volleys at the highest speed possible that you're split stepping and hitting. So what we usually recommend is to have a 15 by 15. Um, so just so you know, make sure that you can fully take advantage of all the different aspects of the game. But again, it depends. Sometimes you can choose specific drills that you might just need, you know, a chair and sitting down. But yeah. also if you do want to do and that's what we also talk a lot about. And what we do, it's not mental training, but active mental training, right? Because you're working with your brain, but you are also being active, right? So you're partaking into that learning experience instead of just you know, sitting and watching a video or being told uh, to visualize something. So you're actually being part of that learning process. Yeah. And does it do all the different shots? Can you do, you know, serves, overheads, everything? Yeah. So the only one that we still haven't put it serves and overheads. Uh, we do returns, everything else, basically. The serves and overheads, it's mainly we didn't want to start with that just because, uh, we were scared of like people just, you know, hitting their ceiling, hitting their lamps, uh, right. that it takes a little bit more. It's not about because it's the, let me put it this way. When you put a virtual reality, you can set your boundaries around you. Mm -hmm. it, you cannot set your boundaries up. So it doesn't oh. recognize, you know, how high you're hitting if you're jumping and trying to. So, yeah. um, it's something that we're able to do. It's just that we believe it's not the right time yet. Yeah. Uh, and the headset will probably kind of get in the way. I didn't even think about that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the headset, it, I would say, is the biggest problem. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, again, 
And I think that the service is so specific that it's not too much about anticipation and reacting that we believe that it's probably more effective for you to go there and and just get on court and serve because you don't really need anyone else uh, to practice serve, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. again, because the, our, our goal in the end of the day is for players to perform better on court, right? So we don't want to uh, suck them in and have players just spend an hour into their virtual reality. It's a complement to their training, right? Yeah, so, therefore, if there are things that it's actually better for you to do on court, hey, go out there and, and do it. We're here to actually maximize your potential and get better a little bit every day through a complemented uh, their training tool. Yeah. And can so I'm guessing this can't, it's not really going to teach you how to hit a ball, say, if you're a beginner. If anything, it'll help you with the timing and the anticipation, correct? Correct. So exactly. We're not here to teach you technique. Uh, I think that's a very important thing. Uh, we're not here to teach you, hey, how to be the best spin or slice and whatnot. But, you know, all the way from a beginner to advanced player, the more you see a ball, right, the more you're going to be able to get it correctly. The more you see the clues of like, okay, he's going to hit that ball cross court and seeing that pattern, right, that's going to help me create that self-confidence, right? Create that decision-making that will improve at the end of the day, my forehand spin or slice or, you know, whatever that is, because I can anticipate, I can react faster. Therefore, I'm going to have more time to have the correct technique, but we're not here to teach you that technique. Okay. Okay. And um, how, so with that being said, how sensitive is it to, like your technical skill, say like your amount of spin, speed, length of the swing, um, you know, how compact the volley is. Is it is it sensitive to that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, again, like we're not here to replicate tennis. Uh, I think that's one important thing for everyone to be aware of it. Uh, we know that we, the technology is definitely not even close to replicate the weight of the ball, right? The hitting right. your strings and so on. So, um, you know, if you go on a court and hit a heavy top spin and you try to do the same thing in hour, you're not going to hit that heavy top spin. But what we're going to be able to do is that, again, through the haptic vibration, your brain recognizes when you're hitting the ball. And, you know, our platform, you can have a extreme Western to a continental grip. It's going to recognize that you're going to be able to hit the ball as long as you're hitting the contact point. Right. So like, of course, if you don't swing, you're not going to hit it. But if you're swinging it correctly, you're going to be able to make content. And same thing with the volleys. It's going to recognize that you're hitting a slice instead of a top spin. But again, it's not going to replicate exactly that spin uh, that you would see it on court. Okay. And from what I understand, it's mostly based on, on drills, right? Um, it's not, um, and I don't know if it's just for Sensorina or just virtual reality in, in training in general, is there a way to like verse another player or is it purely training? Um, yeah, no, I mean, in Sensorina, um, we don't have the, let's say me in one side of the court and you Jennifer on the other side of the court. Yeah. Um, but there is ability. There are games out there that focus on that multiplayer aspect. Now, we don't believe that that's the best way to train 
um, your yeah. ability. So now what we do, we'll have like multiplayer uh, in the future. That basically means that I can train, hey, you, I'm at home, Jennifer, you're at home. And then we let's get on and be able to talk to each other and then do drills together because we know how important that social aspect of it is, you know, in the competition that brings it out the best of all of us in the end of the day. Um, But, but yeah, so like, but again, the the whole point here is to continue to go through those situations and see, Hey, Jennifer, I know that you don't like to hit that uh, forehand on the run cross court. Let me tell you how to do it. You know, sort of that, that kind of competition and then eventually, you know, I'm not going to say that we're never going to get to the one versus one kind of thing, but we want to make sure that it's uh, there's a purpose behind that. And it, it is because I feel that when you get to that aspect, the physics uh, has to be very well done. Um, so, you know, it's not just we tennis and that we definitely don't want to be we tennis. We definitely want to make sure that we're uh purposeful for the player's performance for the training side okay that's that's important to know um because yeah i thought it was uh more like an e-sport type thing when i first um heard about it so that's that's important to know um no that's great and um how did sensorina develop its tennis drills um, so we have, you know, seven advisors, uh, I would say the first ones that came in. So it's a Czech company, which you mentioned earlier on. So Martina Naratilova was very, was one of the first one uh, involved from an advisory perspective, uh, along with uh, Pavel Wiesner, who is a, you know, former French Open finalist, uh, and then also Czech. So that's how the drills started being developed, uh, you know, with their expertise and experience of like, what are the most common situations of the game that we can prep up with and like, what are the different settings? What are the different speeds that you can actually help there? So everything that we do, we have an advisory board that, you know, it starts again with Martina Pavel, and then we have all other five other coaches you know, we have Claudio Pistolazzi, who coached, you know, Soderling, worked with Monica Salis. Uh, and then as well, we have coaches from high-performance academies, right? Because they all have a, a little bit of different use cases on how to best execute and use those different tools. And then on the other side, we also work with neuroscience professors uh, and sports psychologists to see what parts of the brain that is touching it. Um, so all those drills are basically uh, run through them, uh, you know, and then, of course, we do a lot of testing with pro players and pro coaches, uh, of course, to make sure that, that it's useful. Right? Yeah. And how how um, much of it, uh, like a pra- how many hours, I guess, of practice with it would you say would be like the most beneficial yeah, um, you know, we're very early on, so we're discovering that to see what's the best practice, per se. Yeah. Uh, what we have learned and what we suggest, it's based, you know, a little bit in hockey as well. Um, but, you know, I'd say the sweet spot is that if you're doing, you know, like three times a week at least, three to five times for about 20 to 30 minutes each day, uh, we believe that that's really the peak that you can get we don't recommend for you to do really over an hour um it's sort of you know your focus time your brain you know it it 
it, there's a limitation uh, that it you know you can stay focused within. So if you're not doing intentional repetitions, that's something that we don't want you to do. And just to get out there and just basically be hitting balls per se, right? There is a purpose that you're getting into it. So I would say three times a week for 20 minutes, uh, that's ideal. And then of course, if you can maximize, I would say if you do it every day for between 20, 30 minutes, you'll be, I would say the perfect scenario. But you know, yeah. tennis players, there is a lot of stuff going on in their lives. So. Yeah, no, sure. And since Serena, you said started um, with hockey, uh, but you mentioned that this type of training started with the military. Do you, can you share more about that? How did that all come about? Yeah, I mean, I don't have the in and outs um, of the other industries uh, per se, you know, but like, yes, if you do any research, uh, the the very high risk industries, uh, you know, such as the military, the medical field, I would say the two of them, as we know, it's a lot of uh life and death situations, right? Therefore, you cannot be put into the situation over and over again from a practicality aspect because it's very hard for you to simulate, you know, being on a war field or being, you know, trying to rescue someone and as well as a surgery, right? It's very hard. So you cannot just get bodies and do surgeries over and over again. So that's one of the reasons why they started doing this too. Now, okay, if you can make it as close as, as real as possible to that specific situation, your brain gets used to it, you know, and it's all about feeling, you know, receiving that feeling that you will be doing a surgery, right? Then, then when you actually at that moment, then you're going to feel a little bit more comfortable because your brain believes that it has done that before. Um, so again, I don't have the scientific part of those industries, but that's very similar on how it has grown in sports. It's those intentional reps. And then again, same in hockey where it started. It was, you know, the whole vision of the founder of the company was to basically replicate scenarios. So those players could get those extra reps for them to basically perform better, right? Because then just like in another scale, not maybe so much as life and death as the military or the medical field, but, you know, in sports, it's about uh, performance and that specific moment, right? How many players we know that says, oh, you know, I cannot play how I do in practice. I get nervous when I play this player in a match, but not in practice, right? It's very much so like it's those specific moments. You can be the best practice player, but if you're not able to perform when it comes to that, you know, match time situation, it's, it's, I'm not going to say it's not great, but, you know, I think that's a lot of players are looking to perform at that specific time. And then when you're able to recreate that specific situation that you're not going to be able to do and a lot of times in practice that it will believe that we can help. Oh, yeah. I mean, we hear that as coaches so much uh, from everybody. I think we hear probably more with junior players, you know, um, because they're still, I guess, their brains are still developing. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we hear that so much. You know, I do so well in practice, and then it's so hard to transfer all those skills to uh, match play, you know, when there's a little bit more pressure. So, uh, yeah, Yeah. that's – that's fascinating. Um, 
do you have, I know that this is all pretty new, but maybe even from hockey or, you know, if you have any from tennis for any kind of like stats that you can share on, you know, the improvement in athletes that have used it, like, you know, improvement in reaction time or, you know, decision making or anything like that. Yeah, um, so I can share a little bit in hockey and tennis. As I said, we're just a little over four months old, so we're uh, newborn. So research is being done. Uh, right now, we have a, a group of uh, professors that are working uh, with the data. Uh, but, you know, we want to make sure that this is valid, uh, you know, so it's a true process of review and, and all that kind of thing. So uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to share it, uh, you know, soon. Um, but in hockey, you know, we did have uh, research uh, basically done with for three months. Uh, and then basically there was a control group of uh, players. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, they use uh, virtual reality uh, as a type of training. And the other group did not use, they used just traditional methods of training. Uh, and then basically this group did three times a week, uh, Saint Serena. And then at the end of those three months, there was a increase from the players who use Sensorina of, I'm not going to remember exactly the time, but it was, I don't know, uh, 0.7 seconds more than the other group on their reaction time. So they were reacting oh, wow. faster, which, you know, as you know, as, as you increase your level, that 0.1, 0.2, 0.3 whatever that is that you can get a little bit of your reaction time faster right. will make a big difference. So, yeah, so that's what I can share in hockey. Again, I don't have the, the details, but I know how it was done. Uh, and the result was that virtual reality or, you know, they so would say sensor in more specific um, has shown the improvement in reaction time. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, as athletes, you know, we're always looking for that little bit of an edge, right? So, and if it's reaction time, I mean, that's such a valuable, that's such a valuable tool. And I understand that, you know, this is, this is all so new, right? Like, um, but I think this is the future. I think that there's, there's a lot more to come from this. And as coaches, it's so important that, you know, we're aware of the emerging technologies and, you know, what kind of tools we're gonna be able to use to, to train our athletes better. And I think there, this is a huge space. Um, where do you personally see this going, you know, and, and how soon, like, I don't know, in the next five years or 10 years or in a year? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I wish I could predict the future and I would say <laughs> months, everyone would be using this. Um, okay. But again, you know, like I think the in sports in general, technology is catching up and in tennis, it's been a sport that it's been so traditional uh, for so long, uh, yeah. which, you know, of course, there is the huge education part, which I think it's super important. Um, that skepticism, you know, that like people have, which it's totally normal um, again. But I think as soon as you start seeing the benefits, um, you know, hopefully we'll catch up pretty quickly, you know. So we hope to be really by the end of this year, you know, being Hopefully in the majority of the academies, uh, in uh, in majority of homes, you know, we definitely see this as being something that, hey, if you're a junior player, you should have this at home. Do yeah. that, you know, right before you go to practice or, you know, your coach said, hey, 
you need to really understand that left is served to your back and out wide, you know, how to understand when he's going to hit that and how you anticipate and how you react to it. So, hey, just getting there for 10, 15 minutes when you get back home. Uh, and, you know, so I think that's the the beautiful thing about the virtual reality that's so portable and it's it should be a, a tool for coaches, right? They can help just yeah. their enhance their players, which at the end of the day, hopefully will enhance uh your job as a coach, which at the end of the day is to make your player better, right? And as you said, you know, from a junior's perspective, from that 10 to 17 is really the sweet spot because their brain is developing so quickly and their learning process, it's so quickly as well. But, yeah. you know, all the way from recreational. So our, let's say, target audience, it's really the aspirational player, you know, that wants to get better, whatever that level may be. Um, it's just that, you know, we know that juniors, just like anything else, if you're teaching a language to them, and if you're going to teach a language to me, I'm sure that a 12-year-old will right. pick it up much quicker. Than They're little sponges, yeah. But also, like, this is, um, it, it's not just, a, you know, like a great training tool, but also kids love video games, and this is like a video game, right? It's a, it's, it looks to me like it'd be super fun for uh you know a teenager to you know yeah. to get told by their coach hey you need to play video games it's like <laughs> yeah, thank you yes i agree, you know yeah. so yeah. if so i think that that's a huge aspect of it is there so w- would you say like the drills incorporate some of that like fun aspect to it or is it is it like super rigid i mean i haven't really been able to use it yet um so yeah, yeah, yeah. i can't really speak for it but that's what you're here for, I guess. <laughs> yes. No. Um, no. No. It's it's great that you said that, and um, appreciate it because that's the whole point. Is like it's to be engaging, right? It's it's for the athletes to be engaged and and partake part to it. So like we know that this generation, uh, it's already immersed into video games or technology. It's part of their lives, right? Um, therefore, you know, I think the expectation of any sport is to have technology included as part of their training, you know, because if not, it's, it gets boring. Right. And we know that in tennis, it, it's hard, you know, to keep the attention on engagement of players. And I know that it has been only very hard for to keep, you know, players that are play until they're 10, 11, and there's a huge dropout in tennis because it is, it's hard to keep them engaged. And like, if you can just find a different tool and then same also, you know, like for young coaches, you know, like they're looking also not just to be the traditional coach, just feeding yeah. balls and telling them to do things, but okay. Hey, one neutral, and I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm so happy that you brought me this, Jennifer, but I'm sure that like you're a coach that also you want to find new, different ways for your players to improve because that's the ultimate goal um so yeah. you know we definitely we're not here to be a, a rigid training tool you know like where you're inside of virtual reality being yelled at but also actually <laughs> you know you're part of your training right like it's okay jennifer told me that i should be doing this but like now i'm immersed into this technology and i understand why jennifer is telling me this now i understand why because, you know, I think nowadays it's so important that 
you bring the athletes to their learning process, you know, because I think the learning process has changed dramatically over the 20, 30 years where, you know, like it, it, the athlete needs to understand why they're doing at a specific oh, yeah. training instead of just being told to do a certain thing. So like the process like, okay, this is engaging, this is fun. And I understand what I'm learning through Sensorina. It's huge, right? And then it will make it hopefully your job easier as well when you're on court with them. You're like, now I understand why, you know, I need to react a little faster when it's a second serve. Why do I need to position myself in a different way, right? So all these little things that sometimes it's hard because you have limited time on when they're on courts, right? Because of just different reasons. Uh, you know, I'm sure you're very busy. They have multiple players and multiple clients, uh, but also just that aspect of your wear and tear. The game of tennis has become so physical that, you know, like it, you cannot just be on court for four or five hours anymore. You know, like you need oh, yeah. to find different ways to to continue to get better, but let's say a little bit more efficient. And less kind of impact way. on the body, you know, any kind of drill that you can do where you don't have to actually physically hit a ball and and have the impact on your knees running, you know, I think I think is extremely valuable. Yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're right. So, oh, that's wonderful. Um, and then you guys are partner with USF, your alma mater. Um, is this uh did this just happen was that just this year in 2023 yeah uh we started conversations uh late last year so we launched november 2nd um so you know it's actually as i said a little over four months um but so you know i think it was a no-brainer i'm based in tampa and then be my alma mater and then more than anything i was lucky that coach ashley fisher and christina Moros. As you said, you know, when you get exposed to them and they see the value of it, uh, it's a no-brainer to have something like this. So they actually just started using the very beginning of this year. So um, February, you know, uh, so again, it's it's a new process uh, for everyone. But yes, it's something very new for them as well. Yeah. Uh, where can people go to if they want to learn more about sense arena virtual reality and all the drills you know before they maybe make the commitment to to you know like buy the equipment and all that if they if they're yeah, not so, in that whole world yet yeah so uh you know we have our website tennis.sensearena.com you can find all the information and you can find also you know we have experts who write uh, just white papers talking about mental training in how things arena can benefit you there as well. Uh, but on our homepage, you can see all the different 35 drills that we have uh, that includes just the different purposes uh, and how it can help you uh, as a player, as a coach. Um, and then, of course, our social media, it's full of more of uh, quick snaps of, you know, so if you look for Sensorina for Tennis uh, on Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter, or any of this, uh, you're able to find as well. And we have some reveals also already on YouTube. Um, if you look for it, uh, more of a like a lengthy reveal um, that you can look at up as well. Okay. And you have uh, tennis and hockey. Do you have baseball or any other sports? 
No. Uh, so there is a company that does baseball. Um, it's called Win Reality, and you know we're we're friends with them. Uh, right now we have hockey and tennis, uh, and then even we talk about how hockey it's two sports because they have the goalies and the players. Um, so yeah. there are two different training methods in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can't even say that we're we're three sports. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love hockey. You know, being in Tampa. I'm in Tampa, like you're like you. Um, and I'm a huge uh, Lightning fan, and I love watching hockey so fast. That's why I really enjoy watching it. So I can't imagine being a player. So mm-hmm. yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't but you can also put yourself and you feel that like you're there. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. I guess you don't have to be a hockey player to to try it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the the pucks won't hurt you that much. Just yeah. like when you're uh, training tennis. The balls, at least when you don't get, you're not going to get hit and it's not going to hurt when you're in the ball. It's getting those balls (laughs) very fast and you don't have to pick up balls, which is also Oh, yeah, that's the best part. Yay. (laughs) No pickup. And then um, do you, is it a subscription base or is it like a video game that you just kind of buy once and done? Yeah, so it's, it's a subscription base that we have that it starts as $19 a month uh, to start. Uh, just for whole, tennis? Uh, yeah, just for tennis. And okay. then we have hockey um, also, which again, uh-huh. it's players and goalies um, separately. Um, and again, in the beautiful part of virtual reality is that when we started four months ago, we already released a new update and in December. Uh, and it's the whole reason of subscription because we know that the technology will evolve and we're going to be yeah. able to release new features. So you know, in about a month and a half, we're going to be releasing also another futures coming up. Uh, we're actually just doing a, what we call mini release um, in a couple of weeks, which is going to be very exciting here. Uh, just between us, you might be able to start seeing pro players uh, serving to you as well. Oh, so, I was actually going to yeah. ask you about that. So can I return yeah. a Eastern server? Here he is. Yeah, so, you know, um, I, again, it's try yeah. to replicate a little bit of those um, for you to be able to to train what you're not able to train, right? To see the speeds that it's going to be hard for you to, you know, and even if that might not have to be a pro, but if you're a 12-year-old transitioning to the 14th or the 16th, we know how the speed of the ball changes dramatically. Oh, yeah. So if your brain can just get a little bit of an advantage of seeing a faster ball, then mm-hmm. it's going to be, you know, easier to transition. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Wow, that is so fascinating. I can't wait to see where all this, you know, how this is going to evolve and where it's going to go, because I really think it's, I think it's the future. And I think there's, there's so much more to come. I really do. Um, but anyway, Yannick, thank you so much for joining us today and teaching us. This was like a, you know, virtual reality for dummies course. So I appreciate you, uh, really explaining it from, you know, from ground zero. So thank you so much and best of luck with Sensorina and, you know, growing it as much as you possibly can. No, thank you, Jennifer. Really appreciate you having me here. Uh, and congrats on what you're doing as well. It's, uh, it's very exciting. I think it's the more we talk, uh, the tennis world, the more information we share, we all get better in the end. So I appreciate you doing what I you agree. Do. Thank you so much for saying that. 
All right, Yannick, we'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you all for listening to Vita Tennis. I hope you enjoyed learning more about virtual reality training and Yannick's career path in the tennis industry. Please remember to subscribe so you get notified when episodes are posted. You can follow us on Instagram at the handle Vita Tennis Podcast. You can also email me at vitatennispodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to leave us a review. Those can be super helpful so that other tennis professionals can find this type of content. I hope you have a fantastic day filled with tennis.